Welcome to Plowing Through Brexit, Farmers Guardian's Brexit podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Farmers Guardian Plowing Through Brexit podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Abby Kay. Today we're really excited to be joined by two fantastic guests to talk all things trade, specifically post-Brexit trade with the USA. So first up, we have Vicky Hurd, who is a campaign strategist, freelance consultant and sustainable farming campaign coordinator at Sustain. What a mouthful. Hi, Vicky. Hi. Hi. And we also have international livestock industry consultant and Farmers Guardian's official man in Washington to get the US perspective on this hot potato, John Wilkes. Hi, John. Good morning, everybody. Good, good to be with you all. John, John, do you like uh, being referred to as Man in Washington? It makes you sound like a character <laughs> in a John Le Carré novel. Yeah, it makes me sound a bit sketchy, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you sound important. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. No, I, that's the last thing I am. No, Mr. Wilkes is fine. You're good. Anyway, <laughs> right. Well, it's been a big few weeks in politics, which actually seems to be the norm these days. Um, but let's kick off with a subject that's dominated the news in recent weeks, while I have actually been away in the USA, funnily enough. And that is the small matter of us having a new prime minister, Mr. Marmite himself, Boris Johnson. Um, now, he's been very open about wanting a trade deal with the US and said that fears about chlorinated chicken and the like are pure superstition. And he even used his first big speech in number 10 to say that he wanted the UK to press full steam ahead with GM. What do you think about this, Vicky? Are you concerned that Boris is going to adopt US food production standards over here? Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Um, Sustain members are hugely concerned, but also um, the public are as well as the opinion polls have confirmed over and over again. And I think the farming community is worried um, it's not just chlorine chicken. Um, there's banned pesticides, animal welfare standards, antibiotic use and hormone use. There's loads of things that people are, are rightly worried about if we, if we sort of pivot towards the US in terms of standards. People really don't want to have our shelves flooded with um, US produce or our UK farmers come to compete on those standards. And to just say that we can choose British if we don't want to choose a product won't wash either because um, I think it's clear that the US um, will want labelling regulations um, in the negotiations. So we might not be able to just choose British. So, yeah, hugely concerned. Vicky, it, it does seem, though, doesn't it, as though there are going to be people in Boris's administration and, and actually even in his home who are going to be pulling him in another direction, doesn't it? He's, he's appointed two people to DEFRA, uh, Theresa Villiers and Zach Goldsmith, who are environmentalists, as we know, and his partner, Carrie Simmons, is a patron of the Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation. Uh, do you think we're going to see a power struggle over the coming months like we did um, between Michael Gove and Liam Fox? I think that's that's a very good point. Um, you know, it gives us some hope that we've got some people thinking about um, good values and quality food um, at number 10 and in DEFRA. There's real positives there. Um, but as Gove was probably the strongest head we had at DEFRA by some miles, losing um, his strong stance with the Treasury in terms of funding for, for public goods and for farmers to be able to survive um using you know having that um, person at number 10 might be useful but we've lost him as the head of defra so we might um feel some nervousness about whether um trees villiers will have the same clout and the same commitment to protecting what the public wants mm. like clean air wildlife but she's obviously got strong 
she's said strong things about some of this stuff in the past. So it, it remains to be seen. Um, but we really don't want farmers having to compete with hugely, highly subsidised producers, as well as um, lower regulation producers in the US and, and Canada as well. Mm. Well, speaking of Mr. Gove, uh, the ghost of Christmas past, do you think, Vicky, <laughs> that now he's at the Cabinet Office, um, he still might be able to have his toe sort of dipped in the water on farming issues and still make the case just perhaps from a different seat? I think it's really interesting because it's felt very much that he, he got what needs to happen at um, at DEFRA and having him at number 10 could be valuable. But the reality is for the next few months, it's just going to be um, uh, Brexit, Brexit, Brexit and, and a no deal potentially. So his attention will be very much focused on that and, and um, gathering all the uh, momentum for that and making sure it happens. So whether he'll um, have the same commitment to the standards and the um, funding base for farmers to be able to do what they they, they want to do in the future. It's it's really hard one to call how much time we'll be able to give to this, but we'll be pushing very hard. Mm. Okay. Uh, John, I want to bring you in here because it's all well and good as talking about the prospect of a trade deal with the US uh, from a UK perspective. But what's the mood like over there? Uh, I believe there's been some powerful politicians in Washington saying that a UK-US deal won't be done unless the Good Friday Agreement is respected uh, and the Irish border issue resolved. Is is that correct? Well, yeah, potentially. There, there, there's quite a big stumbling block in, in the way of a US-UK trade deal uh, around the Irish border. Um, you may remember that um, Speaker Pelosi and uh, Rich Neal who is chairman of the very powerful Ways and Means Committee in Congress, of which all legislation has to go in front of his committee to get done. We're in Northern Ireland not long after the, the journalist had been so tragically um, shot. And uh, th- they made the case there that, that, that you know, no way would any legislation go through Congress that had anything in it that, that wasn't protective and, and left the border open and wouldn't see a return to the troubles. The Irish caucus is very powerful on the Hill. I was talking to a connection the other day and um, the Irish caucus is watching the Brexit deal very closely. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you may, uh, <laughs> you won't find the president. I don't think I've not seen him do anything kind of um, derisory or anything kind of untoward the sort of island per se, because it would be political suicide for him, given the power of the Irish lobby in Washington, as you can imagine, across both sides of the aisle. And so um, I, I just have a sense that um, ultimately there will need to be something will need to be done around the border, because if they don't, I think it's very unlikely Congress will not pass a UK-US trade deal. What about the mood at a grassroots level, John? Is there real appetite for this kind of deal on the American side from farmers themselves? Are they desperate to break into the UK market or have they got bigger fish to fry? They've got much bigger fish to fry, Abby. I mean, really, on the overall, in the overall scheme of things, I mean, they've got China they've got to sort out. They've got the Japanese deal they're trying to, put, you know, trying to sort out. They've still got um, the um, USMCA, which is a, the biggest deal by far for the US. It's, again, here's the deal. The USMCA deal, which has been agreed between um, Mexico and Canada and the US, has, has been agreed on paper, but it sits in Congress and Congress aren't happy with it. So they're holding mm-hmm. the whole thing up. So um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think they're looking at it. I think they're in, I think the administration, yeah, I was talking to Ted McKinney the other evening, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I think they're encouraged by um, the fact there's a, you know, a, a Johnson administration in place. But um, can you just I, explain who I, Ted McKinney is for our listeners? Ted McKinney is uh, Undersecretary of Agriculture down at USDA. Um, he, he treads, uh, Ted is involved very much with international trade. And uh, he's been to the UK on, on, on several occasions to, to speak. And uh, he, he's one of the people who will have, at the end of the day, will ha- have in, input on, on a UK-US trade deal. I mean, he, you know, he's one of the senior people at USDA. Happened to say he's a really nice guy. And I know he, he got a hard time in the UK uh, around <laughs> the chlorinated chicken thing. But he's, he's, a, he's a nice fella. He wants to see a trade deal. Um, and um, so... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's all just a bit. Uh, they'd like a deal, but obviously, if we, if the UK then is still aligned with Europe, then um, it will make that more difficult for the US to work a deal out. John, do you think uh, American farmers appreciate the concerns of of their UK counterparts, or, or do you think? Or do they think our worries are overblown or, or, or have they just got enough on their plate at the moment? to even think? I, I think uh, you can only imagine that, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the arable croppers out, they've got they've had floods, they've had pestilence, yeah. they've had plagues, they're, they're struggling. Um, the beef guys are all cock a hoop because they just signed the, the EU they, this week. Uh, they just signed the EU U, uh, US beef thing. With the, with the EU that, you know, that that's perceived to be a bigger deal for them. We're not really a very high priority. Interestingly, I was with, um, I, uh, through the work I do with uh, AHDB, um, I was with a party, uh, a US sheep industry delegation a few weeks ago in June. And I was with them for, for a week um, in the West Country showing them our industry here. And, and that was most interesting, uh, you know, with, with these guys uh, showing them around our industry. And um, I think, one of the takeaways for them um, in relation to our industry was the fact that we are um, we're a net importer of lamb, and um, I, I think that was something which was quite um, quite interesting to them. But unless you unless they were specifically here to see stuff, I, I really don't think we don't really come up very high on the register. As I said, there are far bigger. Um, more monetary advantageous deals that they're looking to pursue. Mm, interesting. What about you then, John? Do you think that US standards are high enough already or would you prefer to see a ban on things like hormone-treated beef? Well, it, I mean, it, to be honest, it doesn't really make much difference what what I think. I mean, at the end of the day, if we go out, I mean, if you're out here and you're in a restaurant, I'm going to be eating, you know, gross about yeah. hormone beef. And um, at the end of the day, I, I really don't think the, well, the American public aren't, aren't as concerned uh, about the growth motor thing as, as, uh, as we are in the UK. Uh, it's never going to be banned. It's worth $96 a head. If you're fattening cattle, that, uh, you know, the, the growth motor is worth 96 I'd say $100 a head on your bottom line. So it's, it's never going to be um, kind of, it's not going to stop. There is... Uh, beef here, which is uh, non-growth rotor hormone. Obviously, that's the, that's part of that 37,000 ton deal into the EU. That will be non-hormone beef. So that can be produced. The big one here they're looking at more than the growth promoter hormones is antibiotics. And yeah. uh, a lot of the, a lot of the major chains, I don't know if you saw it, Abby, when, when you were up in Minnesota. I did. I did see them, it a lot. 
yet a lot of the major chains here now, the kind of fast-to-go foods, the, anti, the, the lower antibiotic use uh, is, is the big one that they're selling, uh, not selling, that they're using as a, as a kind of um, uh, a marketing um, ploy towards the American public. So, Can I, I ask mean, quickly on that, John, actually? I kept seeing labels yeah. that said antibiotic-free. Does that mean that animals can't be treated with antibiotics at all on those farms? Or does it mean that they can be treated but then can't go into the food chain for a certain amount of time afterwards? Well, here's the deal. If uh, if lambs... So um, I was in in uh, Denver a couple of years ago um, in a feedlot, 70,000 head sheep feedlot, which I have to say was run incredibly well. It was run... It was run uh, it, I, I'm full of admiration for the way it was run. They need feedlots for the American sheep industry. That's a long story. But any lamb there that had any antibiotics did not go into... Uh, it, it went, it went oh, to... A, it right. didn't go into the kind of... Um, into the food chain for um, human consumption. So uh, as far as lamb is concerned, that, that's the, I mean, I can only speak from, from that perspective. If it had antibiotics at all, it, it then wasn't able to go through the system and, and, go and come out as antibiotic-free. So, um, but bigger picture, I mean, whether some, I, I, whether some, I, I can't tell you exactly the, the, the definitive on that. Okay. Vicky, do you see any opportunities for the British farming industry for a US-UK deal? I mean, with, with my Welsh farmer's hat on, could we send more lamb over there, for example? Well, yes, I think that is an opportunity. But, you know, currently the market's tiny compared to the EU one. So a no yeah. deal is definitely, you know, the priority yeah. to, to stop that. But that lamb, there's definitely a gap that can be filled. And, and with dairy, um, too, I think there's definitely markets for quality dairy produce. And the U.S. is such a vast number of consumers. But there is an America first policy. Trump wants to reduce the trade deficit and get their produce here. Uh, a billion trade food trade gaps. So, you know, when you look at what the American you know, industry is saying when they say to um, the government, we want to get rid of these um, rules, you know, biotech or pesticide or hormones, they're, they're, they're really viewing both the U.K. and Europe. They've got that insights and seeing it as an opportunity to really push on the European rules. Um, but UK farmers would be also dealing with the heavily subsidised sector. Um, so, you know, and I think the final thing to think about for UK farmers wanting to look at the US market is that US consumers do expect cheap and they do favour US produce. Um, you know, cheese, we've got cheese out there, which is popular, and there is an increasing, you know, I, I, I was listening to be interested in what John was saying. There's an increasing concern about, as you say, antibiotics, but also other issues and increasing demand for free form kind of produce, quality markets. So there could be opportunities um, for um, UK producers um, when they're producing like protected name or hormone free. But they'd have to collaborate and cooperate very well here to, to, the huge, to deal with the huge marketing and other costs. It's a big risk. So they need to share the load if they're thinking of the US market. But definitely opportunities. But uh, the no deal and working with the EU is by far bigger, bigger uh, opportunities. Yeah. That's fascinating. Could, 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 I, could, could I just could I just jump in there? Of course. Um, we, we 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 do just we do export about twenty three million pounds worth of uh, pork to the US annually. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. so we do have the pork market. And just very quickly, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw at the end of last week in in on the ag feeds that the uh, inspections have taken place recently for beef and lamb in the UK. 
the inspectors, H, uh, the U.S. inspectors have been over and they, they've in, been inspecting U.S. Premi- uh, UK premises for mm. U.S. export. So that was just a bit of yeah. a bit of update. Yeah, so definitely opportunities. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be probably niche markets for a while, wouldn't, wouldn't you think, John? We do export 1.3 billion of food. Um, so there is, there is markets there, but it's you know, tiny compared yeah, I mean, to the it's, US. Like, mm. Mm. As you say, Derry, it, 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 if, if, you, if you look at us uh, as though we were the Irish situation, Ireland here, their, their sales of um, butter and cheese have gone up dramatically. In, in the last few years, they've gone from sort of some like 600 million euros up to sort of 1.2 million euros, isn't it? Over, mm. over a couple of, over a couple of years. And that's mostly right. dairy. Mm. And we, obviously whiskey is a big one here. Our Irish spirits here are very popular, but Irish cheese mm. and dairy has, has been, has seen a dramatic increase. I, I can see, I think that's where our, uh, you know, where we stand, um, more of a chance of making in, an impact. Um, really, on, on the dairy side, I think there's a huge potential here, and and our and spirits, you know, and, and and that kind of thing. So, what what are Ireland doing that we're not? Then, why are they exporting more when we aren't? Are they doing something better? Do they have more people in Washington opening up those doors? Um, <laughs> um, I, I I wouldn't say that the the Irish do uh, the Irish do commit a lot of resources uh, across the globe to uh, promoting agricultural exports. Um, but they, they, they just, uh, they've got a very good guy here who's been working, um, out of the embassy here, their, their trade and ag counselor has done, a, has done an awful lot to help promote, um, uh, the Irish produce here and they've got offices in Chicago and New York. And, and, um, so, uh, I, I, I don't know. They, they just seem to have, uh, their, their produce got a great image. And of course, there's a lot of Irish, uh, Scottish Irish people here, particularly up the East Coast, you know, who maybe will buy a product that's that's from from the old country, um, as they should from the UK, obviously, because there's a lot of people from the UK. But the, the Irish do really um, seem to on, on the dairy and, and uh, on the dairy side have been have been quite successful. Mm. The, the, the whole origin green thing's been fantastic for them, hasn't it? They're, they're so good at marketing it, aren't they? They are indeed. Lessons to be learned from Ireland there, but uh, sadly, I think we'll have to stop the discussion now. Um, thank you to both Vicky and John for taking time out of the day to talk to us, and I'm sure we're all going to be good at keeping a close eye on the UK-US trade situation over the coming months. And to everyone listening, thank you, and keep your eyes peeled for the next Farmers Guardian Plowing Through Brexit podcast, which will be out next month.